In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. In the lab time, from our bedrooms or from our houses, I don't know where you are exactly in your bedroom, but you've got that sweet seafoam kind of uh, <laughs> light blue background. I like it, John. You're looking good, buddy. How are you? You know, it's funny that you bring that up because this is actually my office downstairs and where you and I did the draft special, that's actually in the room right above me. And uh-huh. uh, my, my wife painted that kind of a, a darker color than this. But the reason that she did that was because my daughter has a bunch of um, auditions. They do right. self-tape auditions and they use that as kind of a, as their green screen. So that kind of is their green screen. So they film up against that wall um, while, while um, you know, when we're not in there for anything like this. And so my wife is actually up there right now doing a Zoom call. So we've called that the Zoom room. And so it's just a little darker than this. But it's funny <laughs> you bring it up because I hadn't thought about it. It's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. Because this is down in my office. You can see this is my – that's my uh, senior year football team. Um, that's me right there. And is that a brown Bill or is that – that, yeah, that's uh, Bill O'Brien, oh, okay. like right behind me, right there, which you, I'm sure you all can see on right. this, uh, you know, on this podcast. I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we can talk about many things, but we got to stay with mainly the draft. But I do want to kind of also touch on Tunsil uh, extending, and then touch yep. on the uh, the news that we've seen about Gibson being uh, let go. But let's start with the draft. This one for me, I think, is going to come down to these first two picks because the last we saw of the Texans on the field, they were in the midst of a 51 to 7 run in which they were getting smoked by the Chiefs and they weren't able to get after Patrick Mahomes. Ostensibly, adding these two guys helps you try to combat that problem of getting after the quarterback. Now, I know Blacklock's not a pass rusher, but he can do things and mess with guys there in the interior of the offensive line when he's, he's doing his, his job. And if he's doing that, he's making things tougher and making things making things tougher on the other offensive linemen out on the edges, which is opening things up, I think, possibly, for J.J. Watt, for Whitney Merciless, for Jacob Martin, for Brennan. So whoever's out there rushing, Jonathan Grenard. So I really, really, really like these first two picks, John. Yeah, the only thing that I would quibble with, Drew, in some sense, is the fact that I do think Russ Blacklock can be a good pass rusher. I think he already – Well, I wasn't saying he wasn't. I wasn't saying he wasn't, but I'm saying that's not his, like, primary – No, no, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not, not, you know, known for that. But when you see his quickness and you see his power and leverage and the things that he's able to do um, on the field, you're like, wow. Now, this is the way that I – let's let's present drew the 2020 draft class for the houston texans and let's do it the right way um first rounder laramie tunsil second rounder ross blacklock second rounder brandon cooks third rounder gary on conley third rounder john grenard third round comp pick duke johnson fourth rounders charlie heck and john reed fifth rounder isaiah coulter now how does your draft sound and sixth rounder keon crossing don't throw don't forget to throw yes. him in Yes, Keon Cross in the sixth rounder. Now, when I did that exercise, I, A, forgot Keon Cross in the sixth round, and, B, I forgot to put Brandon Cooks in there. But I outlaid all of that without, you know, Brandon Cooks. And even looking at it without Brandon Cooks, you go, okay. Because no team in the league signed their first-round pick on Friday 
to a three-year extension on top of the one final year, his fifth, his option year. No team did that. The only team that had a first rounder that was already signed and on their team was the LA Rams. And that's what Jalen Ramsey, and they still don't have an extension. So they only have him for this final year. So from that perspective, when you think about it, the way that I laid it out, it changes the way to me that I look at the draft. It changes the way that everybody should look at how, what the Texans were able to do uh, because you were able to take the 2020 draft and leverage that into the 2019 season and then leverage it beyond the 2020 season, of course. So from that perspective, um, I think it was a whale of a draft from the picks that they actually made that played college football in 2019. I, I loved Blacklock. I had him at 21 in my Harris 100. I, I love that, that up the field penetration ability that he has just, he's a house of fire. And I've told a story a few times in 2017 when I was studying TCU and I always, and you know, this, I sit, uh, you know, in my office and whenever I'm watching games, I have a notebook and I will always write down, um, you know, players that I need to watch, maybe not for that NFL draft, but for future ones. And so I'm watching TCU and I'm like, gosh, dang, number 90 is wrecking shop. Who is this? And so I look it up and it's Ross Blacklock, sophomore. And I went, hmm, okay, got to wait for this guy. So made a mental note, going into the 2018 season and just gut punch like, oh, 2018. Because I felt like, you know, sort of found this guy. Like I got my eye on this guy. I've been talking about him for a little bit. Okay, he's one of my finds. And then he gets hurt in 2018, comes back in 2019. I'm kind of curious to see what he has. Same guy I saw in 2017. So I was stoked to see him uh, get to the Texans. Grenard was a guy that it just – there's something about him. Look, he's not the most gifted athlete in the world, but he has a ton of athletic football gifts, if that makes sense. He understands how to rush the quarterback. I actually um, – I think it was about three or four days before I've gotten to where I don't watch much TV. I've kind of adopted a style like my daughter, my daughter just goes on YouTube and she just watches a bunch of stuff on YouTube. I've kind of gotten to that realm on YouTube. I watch cooking shows on YouTube. I watch just, there's so much stuff there. And so I happened to stumble on something with John Grenard and I think it was the SEC network and he had about a four or five minute television segment where he was talking about pass rushing mm. and he was talking about reading the tackles steps and reading his leverage and knowing when to go inside and where he needed to put his hand and what he did. And I was like, boy, that's a really advanced thought process for a guy of his age. And I just remember thinking, man, he understands the art of an inexact science and can apply it. I was like, this guy's going to go somewhere and do something. I kind of wish it's with us, but, you know, you throw him in there with Whitney, who Whitney has the same kind of philosophy. You know, Whitney, the understanding in the toolbox of pass rush moves that he has. Now you put a guy like Grenard in there. And you're right, Drew. I think when you look at this draft, the last time anybody saw us play was in that, that playoff game. Nationally, pe national people saw us play in that playoff game. And what they saw in that playoff game um, was a team that could get to the quarterback. Patrick Mahomes having all day to throw the ball. Yeah. Okay. Now you've added two guys at different spots on the defensive line that can go impact Patrick Mahomes at all throwing the football. So I felt really good about those two. Not that I don't, didn't about the others, but I think your draft essentially is going to be graded, if you will, by what you do early in the draft, especially rounds one, two, and three. And I feel like with Blacklock and Grenard, those guys are going to be able to do what the Texans want, and that is go get the quarterback. Yeah, and I think the day of – 
I think it was either Thursday or Friday during the day, the Texans finalized their deal and extended Laramie Tunsil. So that, that had been a bit of a question mark. O'Brien had said back in February, look, we want to get the deals done with Tunsil and Watson sooner rather than later. But you didn't know how long it was going to go on. It could have moved into next year. Yeah. You get one domino to fall. Maybe the next one falls soon. But Tunsil comes back. Tunsil is back through 2023. He met with the media yesterday. And the two things that stood out to me were, were, were this. A, he's been working out with Watson, he said, four times a week. And he said they talk every single day. Those guys were at the Pro Bowl together in Orlando. He's the, 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 the protector of the blind sides, quote unquote. I can't wait to see what this brings. And he said they're very excited. He said it hurt seeing DeAndre Hopkins go. I think he kind of speaks for, for many people in the organization. So he was very upfront about that. Now, the second thing that I really yeah. loved hearing was I 100% can get better because somebody had asked him, hey, Bill O'Brien thinks your best football is ahead of you. And he said, I agree. So he brought up, you know, getting to town eight days before the season opener. And yeah. he thinks he's going to be better than he was last year. And judging by what you and I have talked about many, many times, tackles have a progression. Year three, year four, year five is when you really start to see the great ones sort of blossom, take bloom, yep. take ownership. And he's right in that, that window there. Yeah, you said it, Drew. I think he's getting to that <clears throat> window. He's still young. I mean, he got into the league, you know, um, at 20. Yeah, I think he was 20 when he got into the league. So, you know, Austin Jackson is a guy that was 20. I think Jedrick Wills, I think Wills was 20 or Andrew Thomas is 20. You know, those guys have an opportunity. But when I watched those guys, I didn't see Laramie Tunsil. I mean, I didn't see that. Um, so you're talking about a left tackle at the height of his powers, if you will, um, and still going to be in that. I mean, these next four years, I mean, that's the sweet spot. That's yeah. the, the, the prime time of a guy's career, especially a guy like Laramie Tunsil. So it's funny you said that about the, the conversations that he's had with Deshaun, the working out with Deshaun, because that's the first thing that stood out to me when he said, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay, good. Like that. There was something about hearing that, that really made me feel like those two, because when you think about the, the iterations of this team over the years, you know, there were times where the heart and soul of the team was, you know, Brian Cushing, um, and, and uh, D'Amico Ryans. And then it kind of transferred over the years. You know, it became, you know, Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson were, were those guys. And now we're getting to the point where the, the heart and soul of this team, Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil, those are the two guys. And obviously I don't want to forget about J.J. Watt. But um, I think when we think about the, the, the iterations, it's those two guys with Watt, you know, Witt's been around for a while. You know, the, the core of this team is now obviously changed, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be those two. Their this offense will go as those two are going to take it. But the other thing that, that stood out to me, and this really didn't – it wasn't – the other thing on the call that stood out to me was just Laramie was – I love Laramie. I mean, he's, he's just an interesting guy. He's always – I've followed him for a long time. His coach, when he was a sophomore in high school, a guy named Craig Howard was a guy that, that I knew from just my days of coaching in Jacksonville. And so I followed Laramie for a long time. And I just remember the first time I ever saw him, like, that kid's a sophomore. Holy smokes. <laughs> um, he's turned into exactly, you know, what you, the highest level of what you ever thought he was going to be. Um, but he just, I liked just how gregarious he was, how open he was. Um, talked about negotiating the contract 
on his own. Now he had some help from some lawyers and stuff, but he did it, he did it on his own. And I can't even imagine how difficult that part of it was. Um, but the fact that he was literally directly negotiating with, with Bill, I thought was uh, kind of interesting. The one thing that struck me that wasn't really spoken about that I, that, that I remember, but it just hit me as we were listening to Laramie. It was like, okay, Laramie signed through 2023. Uh, Max has three more years left on his rookie deal. Nick just signed the three-year extension. Zach, you still have an, a, a contractually. I think he's got one more year. I think that's what's left. But either way, um, and then you got Titus, who's on his rookie deal. And if you exercise as a fifth-year option, you'll have him for the next four years. You're going to have this offensive line, at least 80% of it, together for the next three years at a minimum. Yeah. yeah. And that, considering where we were in 2017 and where we are heading into 2020, we couldn't be – um, as Chandler would say on Friends, we couldn't be more different. Um, and that ends up being a good thing. And so these next three years with Deshaun at the helm behind this offensive line, we should be able to do some good things going forward, hopefully. Yeah, it's guys that are all hitting their primes. I mean, it's, and it's all, they're hitting their primes together. So that's the beauty of this. It's going to be fun to see. And, and now you've got all these weapons yep. that uh, you've kind of layered in. So I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. All right, let's wrap things up. Sounds like Deshaun Gibson, based on reports, no longer a Texan. So things get interesting there at the safety spot because you've got Justin Reed, you've got Jalen Watkins, you've got Eric Murray. Don't know who's going to play. But there's also some, some guys that are still out there, so to speak, that might be able to come in and play this position. Well, there's one in particular. And I know Justin Reed has probably um, <laughs> been texting Bill O'Brien on the hour, every hour, uh, and that's his brother, Eric Reed, who – we saw in week four, and good. he was very good. He was, yeah. he was excellent in that game, and I think Eric has still got some football left in him. There's no question about that. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's an option there. And, um, you know, Michael Thomas was signed. Uh, Nimitz High School went to Stanford, yep. and the veteran's been around a little bit, played a lot of special teams, and he'll definitely play a lot of special teams for us. But, you know, he's an option as well. And – you, you know, I've been saying that's on in the labs for however long. I think Lonnie Johnson's a guy that they could honestly, given the cornerback situation, getting Roby back, having Conley, getting Vernon back, signing, re-signing Philip Gaines, drafting John Reed. I think there's an opportunity that maybe Lonnie Johnson moves to safety. And that's a position that they, maybe, maybe it's a position with Lonnie that they kind of throw everything in there together. He's kind of the nickel, the star, the sublime backer, the safety. He's kind of a Jack of all trades yeah. um, kind of guy. Maybe that's what they, they do with him. Um, but Anthony Weaver's got a chess piece with Lonnie Johnson, just trying to figure out where does he fit? So I do think there are some options, but the one thing about safeties. Drew, it's interesting because I remember the very first article I ever wrote for College Football News, which started my whole media career, really, way back when. I wrote about the University of Texas, and it was 2003. They were getting ready to play Kansas State. And I remember saying that University of Texas was flawed in the secondary because they had basically four corners. And I was like, they needed somebody at safety to be able to just be the enforcer, the hitter, you know, that established some grit in that secondary. and at the time, that's really what was needed. That's the way the game was played. You had two hammers at safety, you had two cover guys at corner. That's the way you played the game. They were sort of ahead of the game because now I think it's gone the other way. I do think you have to have Speed, four yeah. guys back there that know how to cover. Um, Justin Reed has cornerback experience. Jalen Watkins has cornerback experience. Um, 
Eric Murray definitely has cornerback experience. Michael Thomas, I think, played corner, if I remember, in college. So those guys all have cornerback coverage ability and experience. You're not just bringing a guy yeah. that is solely a state. And, and in a lot mix. of ways, it's kind of like what the University of Miami was doing back in the 80s. They were making linebackers, defensive linemen. They were making safeties, yes. linebackers, corners. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's a lot like that. You know, we see this cycle through yep. sometimes. But, yeah, that's, that's one of the, the things yep. that kind of, kind of has come to fruition. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's the way it's being played now. And I think about that game, you know, against the Chiefs. And obviously it was Kelsey that was really, you know, sort of hurting us, sort of. He he did hurt us. And, you know, Lonnie got banged up in that first quarter. But I think having the wherewithal to throw different guys at a guy like Kelsey, like, okay, who's covering me now? Is Is this a corner? Is this a safety? Okay, if it's a safety, just presenting a lot of different options to him. Yeah as to what he can do. And then if you're rushing the quarterback, if you're rushing the quarterback with a little bit better success, then covering Kelsey is going to be a little bit easier because now Kelsey doesn't get really honestly to get to be creative. And think of the 10 catches he had against us. I think probably four or five of them were routes that he actually was covered and then made you know some sort of move to get to an open spot once Patrick started scrambling. So I do think there are some things that in that game, when you look back, you're like, hmm. you know, we did put Patrick, we did push Patrick off the spot a little bit, but then we just didn't stick in coverage like we needed to as well. So, and then when we did stick in coverage, then Pat had too much time to throw the football. So it's kind of, you know, part and parcel, as Bill O'Brien always says, Russian coverage, you got to work together. And those two were doing, you know, they were kind of high low in it, really. They didn't yeah. meet in the middle. And hopefully with the additions that the Texans have made, they'll start to meet in the middle and start to be a defense that can stop teams like the Chiefs, like the Ravens, and the top teams in the league. John Harris, always good talking with you. We're going to get uh, weird next week on In the Lab. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Just tease you know I like weird. You know I like weird, bro. You know I'm cool with that. We had to be conventional this week because of what just happened. But good talking with you as always. We'll do it again very, very soon. This has been In the Lab.